0: Log4Shell, 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 and Apple security updates. All that and more on the Naked Security Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I am Doug. He is Paul. And Paul, what a boring, mundane, uneventful week in the world of cybersecurity.
1: I'll tell you what, Doug. I've actually been waiting all weekend for the fun fact, because I could do with some of that right now.
0: <laughs> Great. Well, I've got Fire a fun away, fact my for you, and it Lovely. is that uh, you could call it the ultimate beta test, but before their first powered flight, brothers Orville and Wilbur Wright had made more than 700 successful test flights in an unpowered glider. And we will talk more about the Wright brothers later in the show.
1: Cool. That's a great bit of history, isn't it? Because they really did everything (laughs) right from a sort of science and engineering point of view. They didn't know how to fly because nobody had done it before Powered Flight. But they didn't just make it up as they went along. They followed a solid process.
0: Yes, sir. Well, uh, so we shift gears to a not-so-solid process, the log for Shell...
1: Or maybe a process so solid, so enormous, (laughs) so heavyweight, (laughs) that it's sinking us all like stones. Yes. Exaggerating for effect there, Doug. But not by much.
0: Lots of talk about this bug and um, lots to unpack. What is the bug? And uh, I guess my secondary question is, is this really a bug or a feature that has been exploited?
1: All good questions. And just for anybody who's missed out, we are talking about... A bug that goes by the name log4shell. You'll hear, you also see the text log4j, where 4 is the digit 4, which is a Java programming library from Apache that is logging for Java. And you will see it referred to by its official name, CVE 2021 44228. As you say, Doug, is it a bug or a feature? Very simply put, this Log4j programming library. It's very, very popular. It's been around for years. It's made by Apache, the same people who make the HTTPD web server. And if you write Java software, which, as you know, is very popular in the back-end business logic marketplace, logging is really important because you know logging is how you do auditing, compliance, all sorts of stuff. So clearly you want to really convenient super powerful extraordinarily excellent logging system and log4j is supposed to be one of those sadly it has a feature that essentially allows the data you want to log to include what are called in the jargon meta characters special characters dollar squiggly brackets some special commands squiggly brackets and when it writes that log data it doesn't write dollar squiggly brackets, magic commands squiggly bracket. It converts that into something more useful, Doug. And sadly, one of the more useful conversions it can do, and this is by design, like you say, this is a feature, it was supposed to be there all along. One of the things you can do in the data you want to log, you can put a special command that says, look, I don't really know what data you're supposed to log at this point. Here is a network URL that you can connect to and look it up. What could possibly go wrong, Doug?
0: <laughs> Why? So someone like me that understands the concept of logging but may not understand completely how <laughs> loggers work, I was kind of under the impression that whatever I give you, record that thing, log, log what I say, don't let me put other stuff in there for you to interpret.
1: Oh, it gets worse, Doug. When you call back to me, I can say, look, I don't actually know the data, I've got a little Java program here that I'll send you that can figure it out for you. Why don't you run it and see what it says?
0: <laughs> I mean, so the, this is...
1: <laughs> I mean, I kid you not. that it, 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 That is the feature.
0: I was going to say, so in they're they're trying to be helpful, but in their zeal to be helpful, it's just turned into you could just run arbitrary code. Like why the log E is able to control the logger, which shouldn't be the case, right?
1: It is. As you say, log E controls logger. They send a name or a string of digits or whatever they're transmitting that is essentially a secret mini program for the other end to run. So I think that's why this thing is just being abused so crazily. It's not like a traditional exploit. We we've talked on the podcast before about buffer overflows, use after free, bugs like this. Their vulnerabilities, but to exploit them, pretty much what you're doing is you're poking a stick into the server until it crashes, and then as it crumbles around you, you're guiding your way carefully through the rubble and coming out at the other end in control. You can see why that's quite difficult, and exploits that that can take months to perfect, and they may be super unreliable even at the end of it. This is by design. The system is supposed to let you say, here's a URL, connect out to it, download the program that you find there, and regardless of what it is, kindly execute it for me. Thank you.
0: Has it always been this way, or, and we just discovered it, or is this some, did something happen in the past month or so that created a vulnerability wherein you can have code run like this?
1: From what I've heard, it was a feature request to the Apache Log4J team from many years ago, eight years ago or something. Someone said, hey, this will be really handy, If I could do a directory services lookup from the log, why don't you put it in? And it is just that lately people figured out, hey, you can do cool stuff with this. From what I've heard that some of the kids on Minecraft. (laughs) 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 It's not funny, yet it is funny. Figured, hey, how cool is this? So word got out and proof of concept stuff appeared and notes on Twitter arrived. So essentially, it turned into a zero day, uh, a very visible zero day. Apache were fairly quick to Apache it, but (laughs) Pandora's knowledge was out of the jar by that time, and it was too late to get it back in.
0: Okay. So big picture right now, what is happening across the internet? Because a lot of companies are using this logging library. What are the criminals using this? vulnerability for is is, is yeah, can we call it, it a vulnerability it feature i think we have yeah. to call
1: it a vulnerability yeah. slash bug the news is and Sophos labs is tracking this as vigorously as it can there's an awful lot of smoke slash smog slash steam slash mist which which is not helping but in amongst that there are some very definite fires burning and it seems that one of the main things active cyber criminals are doing. As you can imagine, we've spoken about this recently, crypto mining. I'm assuming because if it's a server and it's business logic server, it might be quite powerful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it seems there's quite a bit of crypto mining going on. And as we mentioned, that can be expensive. If you've got a server that typically doesn't do much, and it's in the cloud, and it's currently costing you $5 a month, you do not want to wake up to find that it is now costing you $5,000 a month so that some crook can skim off the rewards from cryptocurrency transactions. Another thing that crooks are doing, and maybe we can come back to the stage, I won't talk about it too much here, is they're using it to exfiltrate data. So they poke in the code that reads something interesting that they happen to suspect is stored on that server and send it back to themselves. So they're data stealing. So that seems to be the main things that are happening right now. Crypto mining, data stealing, and implanting general zombie code, which can be instructed later to go and download something else.
0: And it sounds like it's widespread enough that it could be causing enough havoc and diverting enough attention that it it could possibly cause like a smokescreen for other criminal activity while people are dealing with this. Right. So I, I guess our advice would be, you should deal with this, but you should also keep an eye on other things because you, everyone's distracted right now.
1: Yes. As you said at the very top of the show, Doug, log for shell, log for shell, log for shell and apple patches. That <laughs> I'll give the game away in advance actually have nothing to do with log for shell, but they do have everything to do with a whole number of other vulnerabilities, apparently including Jailbreak the kernel, which is like implant secret spyware kind of stuff. So you are quite right. I don't know whether the crook's actively figuring, hey, this is a great smokescreen. I think the problem there is, Doug, they don't need to.
0: So if I'm a company and this is very widespread, at what point can I assume I'm not affected by this? Is it I only have a public-facing server And there's Java code on it, or does it extend beyond something like that?
1: That's perhaps one of the most important questions to know the answer to, because I have seen some responses, obviously they're flying around the internet, what companies have said to their customers, words to the effect of, don't panic, we're golden, all our public-facing servers are non-Java. That was perhaps what a lot of companies assumed at first. They figured, I've got IIS, From Microsoft, I've got Apache HTTPD, which is not written in Java, it's written in C. I've got Nginx, I've got all these servers. None of them are written in Java, few. And the problem is that because this is associated with logging untrusted user-supplied data, the bug can be triggered on a server that is not directly connected to the internet. All that has to happen is user connects to your web server fills in a web form where they put in username, address, phone number, dollar, squiggly brackets, etc. <laughs> they send it to your web server. Your web server is going to package up that data. Some of it, it might log itself. The rest of it, almost certainly in many companies, is going to get bundled up and passed off deeper into the network and passed into your backend servers, your business logic servers. So the real problem is that It's not just your public facing servers that you need to worry about. So, what that means really is that you can't just think about defense in depth in this case. You have to think about defense in breadth. You need to scan your whole estate. And at the first cut, all you really need to do is look for files called log4j, some string of characters, dot jar, jar, java archive. That's step one. And step two I recommend is make yourself a nice, strong cup of tea and prepare yourself for an unpleasant surprise, (laughs) because I suspect that many organizations are going to find that they have a lot more copies of log4j Java archive files than they ever expected.
0: That's my next question. If I'm a home user, should I be searching my own machine for this? Does this affect home users as well?
1: There's no reason not to. Got some instructions on how to do it on Naked Security, Uh, just some files you have to look for. However, a lot of people at home don't consider themselves IT experts and for that reason have gone out to a service provider for the family website, for the discussion forum that they use for the sports club they belong to. You probably want to go to those providers and just find out whether the stuff that you've got there about your products and about your family and about your customers, if you have any, is safe and sound. I'd recommend not emailing them first. Go to their website and see if you can find a statement. A lot of companies have already managed to do the right thing, and they've got statements up where they list all their products.
0: Very good. Uh, let's talk about the patch a bit. Does the patch work? There's a patch available. And uh, I guess more importantly, what do you do if you can't just roll out a patch to a billion machines in the next 15 minutes?
1: The good news is that if you update to log4j 2.15.0, then it protects you from yourself and from your loggies, as it were. And I wrote a quite detailed article, but user-friendly, it's not too technical, on Naked Security that charts my journey through building a deliberately vulnerable system, applying the patches, and validating for myself that they actually worked. The other thing that I did is in case you can't apply the patch, there are various ways of altering the runtime configuration of a system you already have without changing any of the code. You're just changing the commands you use to run it or the configuration settings that you use when it starts. What those things do is they set in Java what are called system properties that force the logging library into a state that says no outside lookups allowed. And I validated those as well. And I show how you can apply the fix, check that the bug stops working. So yes, there is a patch. It's surprisingly simple. If you haven't started, then you're a bit late to the party. <laughs> but the problem is with a threat that's so broad and so easy to exploit and so easy to obfuscate by using all sorts of different characters in the magic dollar squiggly bracket stuff, that really you have to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. You can throw technology at it, but you do need also to go and find where you've got this thing and fix it.
0: So that begs a somewhat related question. Given that many medium to large size organizations are leveraging a ton of different servers, whether they be in the cloud or different technologies from different vendors, does this start to feel kind of like a supply chain issue? Because a lot of the third-party services that a company might be leveraging might have this Java exploit.
1: I think you can consider this a supply chain attack. When I scanned my laptop just just for fun, just to see what was there, I found apps I could barely remember I had that I had no idea used Java, and even if I did, I would not have had it on any magic list that they included the log4j code. So in that sense, it is a a sort of supply chain attack, and I guess that's why it's important that, whether you're a small, medium, or large business, if you can publish a short, sharp, clear document, easily accessible on your website, then that is a great comfort to your users, because what it means is you're saying, I know the bill of materials in my products and I found out whether they have the vulnerable bit or not and I'm prepared to disclose that to you simply, clearly, and in plain English without lots of, lots of gobbledygook.
0: All right, we've done some good work here. It may not be over, but let's put it to rest for now. We've got two articles up on Naked Security. We've got another technical article on news.sophos.com. Plenty of things for the good people to read and ingest and uh, put to use so we will leave you with that and take a quick break for this week in tech history a little palate cleanser if you will this week in tech history we talked about the wright brothers earlier in the show and on december 17th 1903 the wright brothers orville and wilbur made their first successful powered airplane flight four test flights were made that day the first by orville lasted about 12 seconds And the fourth, by Wilbur, lasted a record 59 seconds. Now, the brothers couldn't find an automobile engine both light and powerful enough to propel their airplane, so they had one fabricated in their bicycle shop by their shop mechanic, Charlie Taylor, who built it in just six weeks. So we hear a lot about the Wright brothers, but not a whole lot about Charlie Taylor, one of the true heroes of flight.
1: Yes, that's a very funky story, isn't it? We can't get an internal combustion engine with the right characteristics, the automobile guys aren't interested in this, they don't even know what we need, we'll start from scratch. (laughs) Yeah,
0: build our own engine, no problem. Well, uh, let us now get back to cybersecurity and uh, not talk about Log4Shell, but we will talk about a whole slew of Apple security updates without a mention of Log4Shell yet. So what's going on with these Apple updates, Paul?
1: Uh, Last night, After I'd finished my magnum opus about how to understand, assess, patch and verify your patches for this log for shell vulnerability, to my surprise, I found there was an update for my Mac. And I thought, ah, ha, ha, I knew (laughs) it. Guess what? (laughs) It can only be, surely. And of course, like you said earlier, could there be a smokescreen? Could this be a distraction? What if we focus on log for shell and we forget everything else? The first thing I did is I I set the download going. It's about a gig or something. And then I jumped onto the the security bulletin to find out what did they fix. So I set my Firefox search to 44228. And I went through all the bulletins waiting for that to pop up. That's the CVE number for log4shell nothing. So I thought, well, that's interesting. But the bulletins are quite long. And it turns out there are loads of other things that were fixed.
0: Some of these look pretty serious. So we've got kernel level remote code execution.
1: Yes, I think that's the big one. And from what I've read elsewhere, I, don't, I haven't tracked the veracity of this yet. Apparently, this was essentially a jailbreaking bug. And that's basically where someone doesn't just break out of one app, but takes over the operating system completely. Now, there are hackers out there who love to do that to their own iPhones because they think it's a great idea. We do not recommend it, particularly for business phones because there's an awful lot that can go wrong. And as a lot of our listeners will know, the problem with jailbreaking or iPhone root kittery is if somebody can do it without you realizing, then it's kind of the ultimate way to implant spyware, isn't it? NSO Group, Pegasus, et cetera, et cetera. Those kind of vulnerabilities that could lead to essentially full device takeover are very definitely things that you want to patch on your mobile phone.
0: Mm -hmm. And then tracking flaws, that sounds bad.
1: Apparently, there is a way that you could make tracking suppression features not work properly, which, although it doesn't sound terribly severe, if you're going, well, the good thing about my Mac or about my iPhone or my iPad, at least Apple have put tracking limitation features in. Well, that's a bad thing to think if they're not working properly.
0: Yeah, another bad sounding one, malware detection bypasses.
1: Yes, now this, as far as I know, this applies to the, the, the system that Apple calls Gatekeeper, which is sort of their rudimentary built-in sort of antivirus. My understanding is there are some ways that malware can sidestep that.
0: And then two related ones, network traffic leakage and memory leakage.
1: Yes, obviously you're assuming that processes or software that is not supposed to be able to spy on your network traffic or spy on your, the details of your memory usage. You kind of assume that those protective features work. Apparently there are bypasses for both of those. So there's a way that a rogue process or server could get to look at your network traffic when really it's not supposed to. And there's also a way that details about what's in memory, including the layout of memory, could be accessed again by processes that aren't supposed to know it. The thing with memory disclosure problems is you can imagine, oh, well, it means they could suck out all my passwords. Sometimes on modern operating systems, you might get a memory leakage that leaks something really, really, really modest sounding like a memory address, which is just a a number where this program lives in memory. And of course, as you know, modern operating systems go to great trouble to have what's called address space layout randomization, ASLR, precisely so, you can't guess or work out where programs are in memory because that makes them harder to attack with memory-based exploits. But if you can leak even just an address out of memory and figure out, aha, so that's where you're hiding XYZ feature in the kernel this time, then you just broke ASLR. So that's another one you definitely want to patch.
0: All right, then uh, this is a, uh, always a bad sign, but elevation of privilege.
1: That often used to be considered, some people do consider it a sort of in the, in the second tier. It's only a silver medalist on the exploit table because obviously the one everyone wants is remote code execution. But if you think about it, EOP elevation of privilege and remote code execution, for the crooks, they go fantastically well together because it means when you do your remote code execution, like we talk about with Log4Shell, you get to inject the code into the server process. Now, if the server has very restricted rights, that might do less harm than you'd hoped. But if you can combine an attack like that, where you get some user rights with a trick that lets you grab more user rights as long as you're inside the network first, then basically you've turned a minor remote code execution flaw into a potentially huge one. I I never really consider those as second tier exploits these days. I figure... When I see Elevation of Privilege patched and it's got a CV number, I think, I wonder which remote code execution exploit it was paired with. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. And then last, but certainly not least, privacy bypasses.
1: Yes, the obviously the tracking flaws that you mentioned earlier, being tracked affects your privacy, but that's with what you I believe that's down to what the wireless networking system is talking outside your computer. These bypasses, as I understand it, are ones that allow locally running programs to read and write data that is supposed to be off-limits. You can see why that's bad, because that helps you steal data, make unauthorized changes to system configurations, sneakily drop malware scripts, all sorts of stuff. Patch
0: early, patch often on iOS, settings, general software update on your Mac, Apple menu about this Mac software update. And Paul, just because we didn't talk about log for shell, does that mean it can't, in theory, affect Macs?
1: In theory, as we said before, you, you could be vulnerable just on a standalone computer or a laptop because this bug is not about being connected to the network. It's about taking untrusted data and supplying it to a program that you think will use it harmlessly and ends up using it in a way that was malicious. So you may nevertheless wish to go to that Naked Security article you mentioned earlier and just check your Mac. So the risk is low, but why not check? You will not be any worse off for looking.
0: Okay, that is Apple security updates are out and not a log for shell mention in sight on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And we will bring it home with the oh no of the week. I feel like I need a nap and I am dehydrated and we've been through a lot this episode.
1: It's all that fire and smoke, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Hurting your throat.
0: On Reddit, user Beauty writes, Back in my early days of tech support, CRT monitors were very much the norm. One user called in and told me his, quote, mouse was stuck, end quote. The cursor on his monitor was no longer moving. While trying to get more information from him, I kept hearing him grunt with effort, followed by a loud thump in the background. After the third such instance during the call, I finally asked what was going on. Oh, uh- I'm trying to see if I can shake loose the mouse on my screen. Thud! He was picking up his monitor off his desk and dropping it down in an attempt to quote, loosen it. I quickly told him to stop before he hurt himself.
1: Oh, did he think the mouse cursor was like the minute hand on a clock, that it, it just actually was a it. physical thing inside yes. there
0: that I like <laughs> yes. moved
1: around with a little magnet? Yeah. Whee.
0: I want that to not be true. I want that to be a made-up story. But I, you know, I've been <laughs> doing a little tech support myself in my younger years. I, uh, I, you can't put it past some people. So
1: I did once have a problem on my Mac many years ago where there was a blob on the screen uh, <laughs> that that it's about the size of, of a of a full stop a period in boldface when the font's big. So it it obscures just enough to be really, really annoying. So I got my screen cleaner and I tried to clean it and I couldn't. And I thought, well, it's funny. It's like not moving with the text on the screen. It's not an actual full stop period in my article going up and down. And I thought no more of it. And then a little bit later, I thought, oh, my Lord, I wonder if I've got malware. It started moving of its own accord. This little dot pixel was like (laughs) moving across the screen. And then when I looked really closely, I realized that there was a tiny little fly had gone inside, (laughs) (laughs) and it was actually walking around on the inside of the screen as far as I could make out.
0: If you have an o no you'd like to submit, we'd love to read it on the podcast. You can email tips at sophos.com. You can comment on any one of our articles or hit us up on social at Naked Security. That's our show for today. And a little housekeeping. We will be off for the next two weeks in observance of the holidays so have a great holiday break everybody we'll be back with you in the new year and thank you very much for listening for paul ducklin i'm doug ameth reminding you until next time to stay Stay secure. secure and get
1: those patches done